You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Pants, and on this edition of our podcast... I am going to be joined by Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray. We're going to talk about the Irish, but more importantly, as it pretends to this week, coming up the next couple of weeks, June and July recruiting has changed. He is the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, which means he gets a lot of complaints from fellow coaches. We're going to talk about the new recruiting calendar and how that affects college basketball and and potential prospective student-athletes. Also joined by Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon. The Terps will be a top 10 preseason team, top 15 at the very worst. And uh, they're going to be right there with Michigan State to potentially challenge for the Big Ten regular season title. Now, this is NBA Draft Week. I'll be part of the NBA TV draft coverage from the Barclays Center. Uh, We're also doing a mock draft show. Uh, So you'll see me uh, on NBA TV uh, from... From New York on Thursday, uh, one of the teams that uh, could have been decimated by the NBA draft, but is not, is Kansas. Uh, they ended up only losing, essentially, Dedrick Lawson to the NBA draft, who was obviously their best player last season. Quentin Grimes did declare for the draft, but is transferring. Uh, Devon Dotson returning to Kansas after flirting with the NBA draft. Yudoka Azubuke didn't even flirt with the NBA draft, coming back from an injury. Silva D'Souza, uh, he is back after winning an appeal, sat out last season. And then over the past week, since we had Bill Self on this podcast, they just landed two big-time newcomers and Jalen Wilson, who was the last top 50 recruit. He initially committed to Michigan, opened his recruitment after John Beeline went to the Cavaliers, not sticking around for Juwan Howard. So they land him which is a huge coup. Uh, And then they got Isaiah Moss, a transfer from Kansas, who should help them in the perimeter. So they have replaced the loss of Quentin Grimes. Uh, You could debate if guys are better or whatever, but they've now got depth on the perimeter with Dotson. Uh, They're going to have one of the best front courts in the country with Azubuke and D'Souza. So Kansas, as we redo our Power 36 next week on our March Madness social media platforms, they are moving up. They're going to be the favorite again in the Big 12 over Texas Tech, which got to the national championship game. Initially had that flipped before all these changes with the Jayhawks. We'll see where I put them ultimately in the power rankings. That'll be out next week. They're going to be jockeying with Michigan State, probably for number one in the country. So we shall see. Now, as it relates to Kansas, uh, in a potential manner, we don't know. But one thing that came out last week, and it was a story that was initiated on CBS Sports, Stan Wilcox from the NCAA was quoted in it. And basically, it's something I've been saying on this podcast and elsewhere, which is 
that there could be some programs that get NCAA violations from the FBI investigation that concluded. And I just want to tell everyone out there that for all the criticism of nothing has been done, you have to give the NCAA credit for this. They said, legal process first, enforcement second. And that is what is occurring. Now, I don't know who is going to get suspended, who's going to get penalties, will coaches sit out, will they won't. But something will happen at some point later this summer and into the fall. Which programs? I don't know. They say maybe up to six. Could Kansas be one of them? Could Arizona? Could LSU? Could Auburn? Who knows? All these different schools that had their names sort of thrown around in this court case or assistants who pled guilty and are having to, you know, either potentially, uh, well, serve probation or what have you uh, as the sentencing is still going on. We don't know what is going to occur. You know, USC, we, we don't know. But something will happen. And some coaches will have to sit because of the head coach's control penalty. When you have an assistant coach who has pled guilty to committing a crime, which ultimately also was an NCAA violation, they're going to sit. How many games? I don't know. I've gone on record, and I'll say it again. The NCAA controls the NCAA tournament. And I think if you're going to put a penalty with real teeth, because a lot of these do have teeth, but if you want to really clamp down, then you make coaches sit for the NCAA tournament. That certainly would have, that would be a heavy, no question. So we shall see. Please, please, everyone, be patient. Be patient. You can't say nothing will happen because something will, but it's a process. Things don't move fast enough for everyone. I understand that. But you have to be patient. First of all, nothing in the legal calendar ever works quickly. So we can't expect the NCAA to as well. Just be patient. But for now, we deal with what we know. And that is that a team like Kansas is going to potentially be one of the top three teams in the country. You know, Arizona, LSU, they're all going to be potential tournament teams. So possibly USC, Auburn, we don't know. So you got to deal with what we know now, which is everyone's eligible, everyone's coaching that we know of, and we move forward. When something changes, then we deal with it. So I want to get to our guests. That's the news of the week. We're going to talk about the NBA draft on NBA TV, so check that out. And uh, we're going to have a new Power 36 next week. All right. Get ready to debate and digest that. So let's get to Mike Bray from Notre Dame. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray. And Mike, in my look at uh, sort of the top 25 players at various positions coming back next season, I want to make sure people didn't forget about Rex Fluger because I think some people out of sight, out of mind did. Uh, So he certainly could be one of the best players in the ACC, one of the better players at his position. What's his status in terms of coming back from his injury? Well, God knows we need him, Andy, and we missed him when he went down after our Purdue win in December. Um, He is making great progress. We feel by mid-October, November 1st, you know, he'll be back with us. And and to have him back as a fifth-year guy and a leader and a a defender and a dirty work guy and a guy who's made a number of winning plays in his career, um, I, I think we're excited about adding him back to the mix. Yeah, you've unfortunately had this in your career at Notre Dame where there's been a a lead guy who's gone down and then you've had to deal with whether or not they're going to come back. 
Uh, what went through the, the Fluger decision process uh, when he was deciding whether or not he was going to return? Because he didn't have to. Uh, he had graduated and, and certainly could have tried to pursue something professional or something or anything else. You know, it's, it's interesting. He went home and, and really thought about it. And I said, you know, just go home for Christmas. The surgery was in January. Uh, and when he came back, you know, given the team guy and program guy that he is, he said, Coach, you know, I, I really would like to come back, but I don't want to mess up your continuity. If you're, you know, we have all these younger players that we signed and we played them a lot this year. And he said, if if your plan is different, I don't want to mess that up. I said, no, we, Rex, I'd love to have you back. We have unfinished business. He's going to be able to get his master's degree here in one year. He's in a very uh, intense program that started a week ago here. And, and just to have his leadership and the winning plays kind of stuff that that, that guy has done, I think just gives us maturity and gives us a chance to grow up, which we're trying to do here with this younger group. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, people forgot that, uh, you know, I know you got upset by Radford early, uh, but then, you know, after the losing Oklahoma and UCLA, you come around and you beat Purdue, a team that was in a whisker of going to the Final Four. You know, had he stayed healthy, there's no way your team finishes 3-15 and 15 in the ACC. Well, we were, we, you know, what was so disappointing, Andy, about the Purdue game was you kind of felt like you were finding yourself a little bit. You were, you're a young guy. Everybody was kind of finding their role. And it may have been Rex's best game. He had 10 assists at halftime. He was kind of finding who he was with new players. And then he blows the ACL. And we're in crisis management the rest of the way, playing young guys against a league that had three one seeds and a lot of men, you know, it, was, it probably wasn't the best of timing to throw young guys to the wolves. Cause there were a lot of wolves in our league. There were just a lot of, now what helps us is we have everybody back and the league loses some men, which is maybe more important than having everybody back. You know, there's some guys leaving the league. So you feel you can climb back up the ladder in, in what has become you know, the Big East was the Big East. Don't get me wrong. It was unbelievable. But, but this animal, the ACC, what it's become, this is a whole nother level right now. TJ Gibbs, you'll have veteran leadership. Uh, what is it about this group coming back where you feel that if everyone stays healthy, uh, that's the big if, but if everyone does, that you've got a team that could go from, you know, last place to being in the tournament? Well, that would be a great story for us, and that's our goal, you know, to kind of bounce back and get back in the mix. Um, you know, 10 guys returning, all of them played, and all of them had multiple starts. Uh, I do think that T.J. Gibbs will be more comfortable with Fluger back out there on the perimeter with him. That was kind of his partner. And when that left, it, it put a little too much on TJ to try and do too many things. Prentice Hub will be better. He'll have a, he's got a year under his belt. And I thought he did a heck of a job as a young guy. You know, uh, Juwan Durham uh, has a lot to work with. After his injury at Virginia Tech, he kind of played on a bone bruise. He was never really the same, but we feel he can make a jump. Leshevsky at Goodwin played a lot and we're playing well at the end, you know, and then Robbie Carmody who started a couple games for us, then went down with the shoulder is back. So, you know, we, we've got, you know, guys that played and they played together and, 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 and competed well, you know, in some games, I, I was proud of us. We were the 15 seed and we went down there and won our first round ACC game. You know, we played well, we kept scratching, we kept fighting. Uh, but again, in this league, it's hard. It's a hard ladder to climb. It's amazing 
what it's become. And again, I'm hoping because some veterans have left other programs, that also helps us. All right. So should I put Notre Dame in that preseason power 36 or not yet? No, no, don't put us in there yet. We're going to try and hide, keep, let us hide. We want to hide for a while. We'll, we'll talk in like uh, at Christmas. <laughs> All right. So you, you are also, uh, as a side gig, you're the president of the uh, NABC uh, for this term. And uh, we've started June recruiting. So coaches were allowed to go to the NBA Player Association Top 100 uh, camp. Uh, they're going to be out going to high school uh, events the next two weekends in June. And then July is a new July where the first week will look the same or the first week that you can evaluate Peach Jam, all those kinds of things that occurred. And then it gets to the NCAA uh, College Basketball Academies that will replace a lot of the AU. Ter- well, I shouldn't say replace. That's the misnomer. Uh, they will be – you can still go to those things if you're a student athlete or prospective student athlete, Vegas or where have you. But coaches will only be allowed to go to the academies – this year, there's four of them, Houston, uh, Grand Canyon, so Phoenix, uh, Illinois for the Midwest, and Yukon Stores for the East. Uh, you just experienced the first weekend. Uh, this is not a camp that was run by the NCAA. This is the NBA Players Association. And what was it like to be out in June for the first time? Well, it's funny. When you're the president with all these changes, I'm, I'm also the complaint department, you know, with, with guys coming to me. But you walk okay. around with a box and a suggestion box? I do. I do. I take a number, take a number, email me, put it in writing. Uh, but one of the things I sent to uh, all of our NABC members Thursday morning was kind of a recap of the recruiting changes and to just have an open mind and give us feedback and understand this is not the final product of what we're experiencing right now. We're going to need feedback. We're going to need to tweak it. I personally liked getting out and just getting out for a, you know, kind of one day segment down to Charlottesville. It reminded me of the old Nike camp where we used to start the recruiting season at mid-June. And if you're a power five now, I'm speaking from the power five point of view, that was a power five kind of setting there. You saw all the top kids in one gym for 24 hours and saw them play a couple times. I don't think we need more days. Uh, I understand there's uh, it's June. That's one of the complaints. Um, the other one was the books cost $450, I think. Per coach. Per coach. Per coach. It was expensive. But once again, not something the NCAA can legislate. Not something the NCAA can legislate, even though when Dan Gavitt negotiated with them in good faith, we, we thought it would be a little more reasonable. Having said all that, the people that were there can afford that. They can afford that. Like, there's a price of doing business at our level um, I do think we can try and adjust that price. Now, if that was an event where I'm coaching at Delaware back in my day or low majors, that, that, that's just horrible. But um, having forget the price. I thought the setting was good. I understand it was June recruiting, but we really, it really was helpful to me. I got to see in, in you know, 24 hours, I saw all the top kids and I actually was able to see some of the rising juniors that I was allowed to call on Saturday for the first time, I actually saw them and knew them. And I used to make those calls blind. They, my guys would give me a list. I didn't know them. I'd fake it, you know. And, and uh, uh, so, uh, again, it's June recruiting, and now we go into another new thing with the high school weekends, these next two. And, um, and then the academies will be another level of new stuff. So 
just it, this is all new. God bless Dan Gavitt. I don't know how they got these academies up and running in eight months, but they're working their backsides off on it. And whatever we do when we come out of it in early August, Andy, we've got to evaluate, take suggestions, and tweak it. Um, but it's it's kind of new territory. And I liked the one day down there to see the top kids in one setting right out of the gate. That was helpful to me, and I, and I think a lot of guys were in agreement with that. So a couple quick things here. First off, Mike, I, I see this complaint. Well, it's not fair to the mid- and low-level uh, players. They wouldn't have gone to this anyway, and they weren't going to every event. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've covered this a long time. When you're, when you're at Delaware, you're not going to every event that Duke and Notre Dame are going to. So... Like, exactly. like that should be a shock that there weren't players yeah. this past weekend at, in Charlottesville for NEC schools because there never have been. And so, I mean, you know, that, that like that's not a surprise. That's number one. And number two, um, you know, you're not all going to the same events, but now you at the academies, you, you may have a collection of, you know, all levels of coaches. And the other complaint I hear is, well, you're limiting opportunities. Now, once again, there are going to be, there's supposed to be up to 2,400 kids at these four sites. So someone's going to be there uh, that these schools are going to look at. I, that's what I understand. Where are these missed opportunities that, you know, these players would, would suddenly not be able to be seen? Well, you bring up a great point, and I agree with you. And again, I'm going to put my University of Delaware hat back on because I lived it. I never went to the ABCD camp or the Nike camp when I was coaching at De- Delaware. Because I couldn't, those guys, we weren't probably getting those guys. And and so I worked the summer leagues and the different different things. So these next two weekends, I think, will be really powerful for more of the mid and lower division ones. And, you know, when I think about the academies that are coming up, and right now we have, I believe, Dan said, 1,600 kids confirmed for the academies. We feel good about the number. Are some of the kids or maybe even a lot of the kids that were at the NBA players camp not going? Probably so. I think it's going to be a great evaluation piece for the low and mid majors, you know, that those academies. So there are opportunities for those other kids with the high school weekend. Certainly do we still have the other AAU weekend uh, in July and there's, and there's two in April always. Again, the this last April we had one that you know that was not because of the Rice Commission. Right, that was that was because Lady Easter or fell. Final Four Easter weekend, SAT weekend. Correct. It left one weekend. Yeah, and you guys knew that three years ago. Yeah, it's like four out of five years we have two. It usually always is two. That's what's legislated in April. So three total with the July. So my, my feeling is these next two weekends. And the academies, and certainly the the AAU weekend in early June, um, all levels of kids are going to be able to be evaluated. So I, I don't think all these opportunities are lost. The other thing too is Mike, and I, and is that the evaluations. Two things that I've heard for years was when we got to the third week in July. Yes, Vegas said. You know, or then then there was those days after I'm going back here, I'm dating myself, you know, like when the pumps had their deal out in L.A. and all that. The constant complaint was these kids look tired. They've been on the road the whole month. The coaches are grumpy because they've been on the road this whole time. No one really wants to be there anymore. So the positive of June, at least, is you're getting people fresher. And 
the high school situation, I, I counted about 29 events in the next two weekends. That's only going to grow. It's not going to decrease. It'll increase. And, you know, there was no way it was going to be all 50 states or anything crazy like that at the first year. That just wasn't going to happen. Things don't move that fast. So no it question. bothers me when there's lack of patience for things that are certainly changing, that they're not going to flip quickly enough. And I know there's going to be issues. And and the last thing I'll say, Mike, that and, and, and you can chime in before we go here to see if I'm right or wrong, is that the, the aspect of, of, you know, how you evaluate the drills and the stations and all that, you guys lived it for years, ABCD, Nike. That's what those were. Those were skill camps, drills, and then they played games. Okay, so it wasn't AU all the time. It wasn't summer league all the time. So those evaluations, you know, they occurred then, and now there may be more of a mixture. I, I think you're exactly right. And, and you know, I, I told some guys in Charlottesville, some coaches, I said, there's some things that are going to stink about the new calendar. Can we just – patience is a good word, Andy. I'm glad you used it. Can we just get feedback and see how we want to tweak it? As far as July goes, you're right. Many of the kids the second weekend weren't even playing. They were shutting it down, and, and, and then they would go to Vegas or go west and play. The one thing about the academies is that they're going to try and capture, and it's going to be interesting to see how it catches on over the next couple of years, is to be a little more of a teaching setting, to really teach the game, to really work on things and stations and skill work. Yeah, they're going to play some five-on-five. Five. They're actually going to play some three-on-three because three. in a lot of ways, I like you know, three-on-three three is a heck of a way to evaluate because everybody touches the ball more in a three-on-three setting. And, and, and so, um, it's, so there are some good things to that. And, 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 but it's, it is change is hard, but it, and, and, you know, Jim Beheim said it in the head coaches meeting a couple of years ago, he stood up, he said, you know what, we've never been able to agree on anything. We got so many different levels here. And that's kind of the thing. That's kind of what we try and deal with, with 350 division one schools and different missions. But, you know, I, I just think we we it's a it's a pretty good format here out of the gate. Let's digest it in August and come back with what we want to do to improve it. And the la- I'll end it here is the suggestions worked because coaches, if you're listening or players and prospective student athletes, I'm going to tell you at one point there was no first weekend in July. OK, but then there was a lot of discussion. They said, OK, you know what? Let's make sure we have that same evaluation weekend, Peach Jam and all that. So suggestions work and things get tweaked so it can be better than it could have been. And it already is better than what initially I think was was thought out. Well, I walked out of Peach Jam last year and I told a bunch of coaches and they looked at me cross-eyed. I said, you know, we're not coming back here. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, this is off the table. Like, we're, we're not. We're going to do two AAU weekends in April and we're not doing this unless – there's a shot at the buzzer or there was a shot at the buzzer because the subcommittee that went and studied the three events that weekend came back and said, Hey, these are well run. A lot of young people are getting evaluated. Let's keep it now to keep it. You know, there's always negotiation, right? In this political world we're in with the NCAA, we gave some, we gave more high school weekends to get the AAU weekend back, you know? So there was negotiation. I had a, a scouting service guy say, well, maybe we can get the two AAU weekends in July. I said, excuse me, that is never happening again, ever. 
you, do, you, do, you understand? Like, we're not going. And somebody said, well, maybe if the academies don't work, we change. I said, we're not going back. Yeah, there's too much. We're going to have to make these bets. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not going back. This is it. And and now let's tweak it. And But the main framework here is not changing, right. given what college basketball has been through. So I think our membership, I'm trying to say, fellas, I understand you. But there's only certain things we're going to be able to do going forward. That's what we signed up for. Mike, appreciate it as always. Uh, have a great early part of the summer, and I hope to see you soon. Good luck. I'll be watching you on the NBA, buddy. Take care. And up next on March Madness 365, Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon. And uh, Mark, the Terps, uh, I'm not alone in this, are being uh, widely praised as a potential Top 10 team in our pre-preseason polls and a team that could certainly be right there with Michigan State for the top of the Big Ten. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the what is coming back. And uh, I remember we talked last year about the draft process and with Kevin Herter and Bruno Fernando, you were heavily involved and you advised them correctly. One was going to go in the first round, Herter. He did. The other one was not. And he did not. And he came back and had a great year for you. How, how did it work with you this season in advising, you know, your probably two highest profile players in Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan Jr. Yeah, well, and, and I even think Bruno, I was heavily involved with Bruno until it was just pretty obvious. You know, you're never 100% sure, but pretty obvious he was going to be a first rounder. And I was probably more involved with, with Bruno because his parents don't speak English. They're in Angola. Um, so he was relying on me pretty heavily and, and I was able to finally feel most feel comfortable enough to say, let's keep your name in the draft. So, so we did that. Uh, Jalen's parents value education. Jalen values education. He knows mentally and, um, you know, maturity wise, mentally and physically, he's not quite ready yet. So uh, it was a pretty easy decision for him and his family uh, because they're level-headed. And I think Jalen made a great decision because he's really gotten better because he just locked into making himself a better college player in the weight room and doing different things. So he's had a really good spring and early summer. Anthony, we pretty much knew he was 100% coming back, uh, but he just wanted to go through the process. So we let him go through the process. Uh, I think it was good for him. He got some feedback that he needed. And um, so to be what I'm trying to say, it was a pretty uneventful spring uh, for me because usually it's just so nerve-wracking. You don't know what kids are going to do, but – we had a good idea that Bruno was going to go and the other two were going to stay really during the whole process. And what I loved when I interviewed Bruno for NBA TV at the, uh, at the lottery night in Chicago was how much he valued his time at Maryland. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to prompt him or anything. And he basically said, look, if you're not ready, it's okay to come back and play college basketball. Everything's fine. You, you can play one, two, three, maybe even four years. And, uh, you know, his appreciation for it and not wanting to rush, uh, I just thought that was so great, not just to hear probably for you, for your program, for the sport, but just to hear someone that got it and that it wasn't all about just getting there as fast as you could. Yeah, well, college basketball is a great thing. I don't know why we even think that it's not. I mean, it's it was the best four years of my life, um, and I think it is for these kids today. Um, Bruno trusted the process. A lot of kids don't, a lot of families don't, um, they wanted to get there, you know, but I also think that Bruno, Maryland's a great place. I mean, it's a special place for, 
for basketball. It's a great place to live. Great, great, you know, great school. He was beloved, probably as beloved as any player I've had since Mellow Tremble. And he was in the Grievous Vasquez kind of category as far as being beloved. So uh, life was good for Bruno here. And uh, he took advantage of it, worked his ass off, got better every day. And and uh, and now we're hoping for great results, you know, on Thursday. So as I go down the list here, and I'm looking at just your, your, your roster, uh, outside of Bruno, um, essentially you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, so six of your top seven are coming back, uh, in addition to obviously your newcomers. Uh, in terms of your time at Maryland, um, h- how much has this offseason been anticipated to where you know, you've got such a core group back where you don't have to do as much teaching, but more coaching to where this group really could reach some, you know, the expectations of what you're probably hopeful for. Yeah. So the last three years, we've just been ridiculously young and um, it's been a real battle. You're sitting there and you're, you're playing against men with, 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 with boys uh, in some of these games. And we've been talented. Don't, you know, we recruit well, we got talented players, but we've been extremely young and, and, uh, yeah, this summer, spring and summer has been a lot of fun. Uh, now we're bringing in the young guys. We have a, a, a five-man freshman class, four in. that came in yesterday. We're going to start incorporating them into the into the team today. So we'll see how that all works together. But no, I'm excited. We've the thing about the guys coming back is they love basketball. They're fun to be around. They're fun to coach. Uh, they, they we have a culture here now of work. Guys are putting in so much extra time in the weight room, you know, getting shots up, ball handling, doing whatever they have to do to make themselves better. Because we only get four hours a week with them. And so that, that's good to see. So I like that. And, you know, we're going to be older, but we're still going to have 10 freshmen and sophomores on our roster next year. I guess that's college basketball today. But we do feel good about our team, Andy. Uh, they're, they're a great group. They're, they're talented. Um, we can play a lot of different ways. We can be really big or we can be small. Uh, I don't know if small sticks at center, but, you know, he can really space the floor and, and we can do some fun things offensively. So it's exciting for me. I'm looking forward to it. I, I you know, spend a lot more time doing X's and O's this time of year than I have in the past. Normally, I'm just trying to build a team and keep, you know, recruiting players, but we're in a position now we only need to sign two in our next class. And, uh, you know, that's a good feeling moving forward. So how do you describe the sort of the screeching halt abruptness to what happens when you lose in an NCAA tournament game, the manner in which you guys did to LSU, like right in the final two seconds on, on a layup? Yeah, I just pray it never happens again. I, um, you know, you see it in March Madness all the time, and I really haven't been on that side of it um, before. And, um, it was hard because there was a lot of reasons it was so hard. One is we, we battled back, didn't play well the first half, particularly didn't get a very good whistle. I didn't think, and we just really battled and battled and battled, um, and had to lead and kind of let it slip away at the end. Um, I thought we tried to do everything right. It just didn't work out. Um, last possession, we knew what they were doing. We drew it up in the timeout. We just didn't stop it. Kid made a heck of a play. Um, it was tough because we were also coming home to D.C. to play. And this city would have been electric. And I'm not saying we could have won another game because Michigan State was pretty darn good and they were much older and more physical than we were. But it had been really nice to play that game in our backyard. 
So it's disappointing. It's a it's a it's a game I'll never get over. I'll be laying on my deathbed thinking about that game. It's just one you'll never get over. But it was a fun team to coach. We battled and just came up a little short. Hopefully we're going to learn from it. The experience we had in Jacksonville this year was the building was electric. We had two great games against two good teams. And I tell you what, it's really pushing our guys to work harder because they love the taste of the NCAA tournament and they want to make a, you know, hopefully a little bit longer uh, stay in the tournament next year. You know, I talked to Anthony, I don't know, it was maybe a week or two ago about the Big Ten and Cassius. Uh, I mean, there's so many good guards in the league and, you know, yeah, it, yeah. you know, and I know we got a marathon before we get to anything, Michigan State, Maryland, but that competition, the fact that you know that there's going to be a team that you could have faced, that you're going to definitely face, uh, that's going to be in competition for that top spot. You've got two great guards in Winston and Cowan. How much does that also fuel you, the team, these players, about, you know, that, that you can play off of each other? Because so often in all these sports, it's great when you've got that rival or that competitor that can push you, that you know is working hard in another state, in another gym, just like you are. Well, I think our league is really going to push us. We had a great league last year, and obviously – uh, Michigan State's kind of the gold standard in our league. They have been. They've won the league the last two years. Um, they've been terrific. You know, and we talk about it. Last year when we played Michigan State, they just kind of threw us around like little brothers. It really wasn't even close. And we only got them once. And so it's one of those situations where we got to be a lot tougher if we ever want to be at the top of this league. And so it's something we're talking about this summer. Uh, I got a ton of respect for a lot of the coaches in our league and obviously Tom's one of the best of all time. So yeah, it's, yeah. When I, you know, before everything went the way it went in Michigan, I think we had four teams in the top 10 or close to the top 10. So league's going to be great again, but uh, we just want to get better. We want to take a next step. We feel like we've been really good for the last four or five years. We had one off year there, but we really want to take another step you know, maybe try to win a championship, whether it's the league championship or the tourney or, or advance, you know, in the postseason. So our guys are working. We have the talent. It's just us coming together and, and, and playing well at the right time. And, and Mark, have we finally gotten to the point where, because when you got there, that's when the transition was to the Big Ten from the ACC. We've almost had like a generation now, a full class, you know, that really can feel like they're playing in the Big Ten. Have we gotten to that point where now it's established as a Big Ten program, players know they're going into the Big Ten, and the exposure, whether it's, you know, nationally with all the different networks, including the Big Ten Network, that everyone knows now this is Big Ten. Yeah, 98% of the people do. Yeah, everyone now and then I'll hear like, Coach, how's the ACC going to be this year? But not, <laughs> not, not very often. But no, our kids know it's a terrific league. It's been great. Um, I think our fans was, was what I was most worried about. You know, the league is so darn good. We have so many good home games with us, Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana. Michigan. I mean, it's just Ohio State, go on and on. It's just a terrific league, basketball league. So we're all bought into it. It's been great for us and uh, just really happy to be a part of this league. I I love it because it's just such a great coaches league. There's so many good coaches. You get challenged every night and I love that part of it. And uh, I think it's a neck up league. I think it's a league that plays very, really well from the neck up. Uh, I think it's a very smart league and it really challenges you to, to keep trying to get better and do things because it's so well scouted and uh, it's been good for us be really good when we start getting that paycheck from the big 10 <laughs> that'll be good for everybody around here but uh, it's coming soon so it's 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 been uh it's been fun it's been a battle but i i really feel like 
and and maybe because I wasn't here for 25 years in the ACC, I really feel like this is where it's supposed to be right now, and we just got to make the best of it. And lastly, Mark, I appreciate your time. I know you got the Seton Hall game. Obviously, you got the other ACC Big Ten Challenge and all that because you've always had a great schedule. Any other anything else you're working on that to compliment that we don't know about? Well, we, we're going to have a really good schedule. We're down in Orlando, and that's a really good field. You know, we're going to have three really tough games there. It's a really, really good field. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Obviously, we got Notre Dame in the, in the challenge, which is terrific, and Seton Hall. And then we're just trying to make our bye games A-10 teams, you know, just good teams, not not 300-level teams. So you know, last year, I think we had the eighth-hardest schedule in the country. We're kind of shooting for that again because if we do have a good year, you know, it gives you a higher seed in the NCAA tournament, which, as everybody knows, if you can get to that one or two seed, it really helps you try to advance to that second weekend. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be a great schedule, and we'll be ready for it, and, and we're looking forward to it. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. All right, Andy. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As I said, to start off this podcast, I'll be on NBA TV Thursday night from the Barclays Center for our coverage of the NBA draft. Next week, we will have a new Power 36 out post-NBA draft. A lot of movement, possibly Kansas, much higher. And as always, you can find our podcast wherever you find all our March Madness social media content on NCAA.com, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get it. Please download, continue to listen. We are two years running strong with our podcast. We are all year round. Any suggestions, certainly you can hit me up on social media as well. We try to bring you the newsmakers and the news of the week in college basketball. Thanks for listening. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.